Good morning. How are you today? Uh, it's good to be with you today. My name's Peter. Uh, I work for Compassion. I've been for, with Compassion for nearly 10 years now and part of my role is sharing in churches around um, the state and uh, working with supporters in, in different capacities. Uh, so it's a real uh, pleasure and honour to be with you today uh, and ex- I'm excited to be sharing and uh, particularly on your curry day. Uh, so it's, uh, it's great to be here. Um, I'm particularly grateful to Tim. Thank you for having me here today, Tim. Where's Tim gone? He's up, up the back. Thanks. Thank you, Tim. And, uh, you know, there's a few people in this church that, have, that I've gotten to know over the years and, and I've gotten to know Neva and, and Ian over the last few years and it's been a great honour to get to know you guys and a real pleasure and also Jeanette and Tony and I'm really grateful to Jeanette. She's running around organising things but uh, it's incredible just to see what um, the group has done, the heart and, heart and hands for the poor and powerless. I had to write that down otherwise I was going to forget um, and you guys would have seen that we wrote an article about the, the, the women's group uh, uh, probably two years ago now. It was just an amazing uh, story and I got to visit the group a couple of years ago and it was a real honour to be there. Um, but isn't it incredible what you can accomplish with just small actions? And um, that, that group has been meeting for a number of years. I think um, Jeanette told me 11 years or something like that this morning and going to markets and selling products and it's resulted in tens of thousands of dollars given to missions and tens of thousands of dollars given to compassion just through someone in the church who's being faithful, a group of people being faithful. And uh, so I want to say a big thank you to you, to the church. Um, as a church, uh, you're sponsoring more than 66 children. That's, that's, you know, we look in our database and can see people who say they belong to this church. And there's over 66 children that are sponsored in this church. So I want to say really, really big thank you to you. It's, a, it's amazing you're making a difference for children and we're incredibly grateful, particularly in these periods of COVID where uh, the, the children's lives have been impacted dramatically in, in the nations we work in. This is the newest child that your church sponsored recently. Some, a member of your church sponsored this little guy, Ricky, who's seven, and uh, he was uh, sponsored recently. So that's, that's your newest child that was sponsored. Um, and over the last 12 months, you've written over 214, uh, exchanged over 214 letters, 82 letters from, tru- uh, from sp- sponsors and 132 letters from children. And uh, I want to really thank you for that. And I want to encourage you to, to write letters to the kids. It doesn't have to be um, a long letter. It just has to be a word of encouragement. Pr- let the child know you're praying for them. Put a verse in there, uh, you know, and get your kids or grandkids drawing pictures uh, keep it simple, but uh, I want to encourage you and, and let you know that it does make an impact on children. I've visited many projects around the world um, and visited children in their homes where they've pulled out, where some um, adults who are sponsored to children have pulled out folder, folders of all the letters they've received uh, from their sponsors and they flick through and, and they read those letters in t- when they need encouragement. And I know that sometimes uh, the children don't write back amazing letters, you know, they're children. Some of the boys particularly don't write amazing letters, they write some pretty basic things back. But I want to encourage you to encourage the children. Don't look, look at it like, what, what is the children going to say to me? Encourage the child, write the words of encouragement, even if the words back aren't always incredible. And we've got uh, over six children that my family sponsors and sorry, six children that my, my family sponsors and some of them don't write very much and some of them write big long letters. I've got a child that I write to and the mum writes me three or four page letters every f- few months and, but I've got other children we sponsor and they write something pretty basic. So it's all, diff- it's all different but I want to let you know that it does make a difference on children's lives. Um, so let me say a big thank you. Let me pray as, uh, as we start. Uh, Lord, I thank you 
for your word today. I thank you for all the children that are sponsored through this church. And it's an encouragement to me. And I thank you for the, the generosity of this church, the generosity of people in this church. Uh, it's incredible to see that generosity, Lord. And I pray a blessing upon the church, Lord. But we also pray that you'd bless the funds that are raised today through the Curry Day. We pray that you'd uh, bless the finances that are given that go to different missions projects around the world. In your name, amen. I'd like to start by showing you a video. Uh, and this is a, a video, a little bit about the work of Compassion. And this is about a former sponsored child named Angeline. Could you guys pop that video on for me, please? We might dim the lights too, if that's possible. I was about to go to school. And when I was about to ask for some money for some snacks, and when I opened the door, I just saw drugs and I discovered that my father was a drug dealer. Every time my classmates asked me about my family or what's the occupation of my parents, I just, I don't tell them uh, directly the truth and because I am ashamed. It was noonday and somebody shouted that the police are coming. My mother was, um, she was giving me this drug and she said, uh, you hide this, you hide this. So I put it under the sheet of my bed. I don't know what to do, I'm still young. In the Philippines, in Cebu, uh, Shabu, which is equivalent to a low-quality meth, is very rampant. We have children ages 11, 12, who starts taking drugs. There are children in the community who are already into prostitution. Reason? Poverty. A good number of parents will encourage their children to go into prostitution. The lazy parents, the parents who are into drugs and who, who don't know what to do anymore for a living. Many, if not all, who went into prostitution, they will also become drug addicts. Their parents and they're supposed to give the, the needs of their children, but they're supposed to find jobs and to support us. I started um, hating my mom, blaming her of the things that we are going through, the problems that we are facing. I know that I would be encountering some problems with Angeline because Angeline is, uh, came from a, a very dysfunctional home. Her father was in and out of prison. Her mother also is taking drugs. There's no rule more than the I started um, 
hating my mom soon. I know that I will be encountering some problems with Angeline because Angeline is, uh, came from a, a very dysfunctional home. Her father was in and out of prison. Her mother also is taking drugs. There's no rule model. because Angeline is, uh, came from a, a very dysfunctional home. Her father was in and out of prison. Her mother also is taking drugs. There's no rule model in the home. I advise her, I counsel her, Angeline, just don't mind about what is happening in your family. Mind about yourself, mind about the Lord, mind about everything what you are doing here. There was healing. Every time I teach these kids, I'm giving them a hope that you can also be the person that can change your family when you grow up. My father stopped doing sub-selling drugs because he has uh, seen me uh, a new person, a new daughter. Whenever um, his friends are, are in our house, he always um, tell them that, oh, my, my daughter is very excellent and she's doing great. You know, I'm very grateful because even though, um, you know, um, he's selling drugs, but I know um, he did it for us. Having a sponsor uh, has a great impact to me because it helps me being strong and it motivates me, it encourages me. For me, God is not just my Lord and my Savior, but God is my friend. If you look at Angeline, you look at Angeline as a worshiper. When she leads the worship, she will really lead the congregation to worship the Lord. I tell you, she said, when I have struggles, I will just worship the Lord and I'll, I'll be back. I'll be back to life. When hope is lost, God breathes hope and uh, you know um, you saw this transformation that's happening in this girl Angeline and that's our hope and our prayer with every child that's in the program and we work with over 8,000 uh, churches around the world and we are reaching over more than 2 million children we want to see children develop holistically you know with their development in their 
um, you know, their education. We want to see them getting medical checkups and dental care. Uh, we want to see them um, develop as, as people that uh, have got friendships and have got healthy relationships. But really, we want to see, at the heart of it is we want to see children come to Jesus and find God. And I think that shone through in that video, that transformation that's taking place. And that's being repeated over two million times with children around the world. You know, often people ask me, why does compassion do what it does? And I want to share a few numbers with you. 385 million, that's how many children were in extreme poverty before the pandemic. 385 million. That number's been going down every year for over 20 years, the amount of children in extreme poverty. 16,000, that's the amount of children that were dying before the pandemic pandemic from things that are mostly preventable. And that number's been going down for a number of years. It used to be over 40,000 a day. Other things like diarrhoea, pneumonia and so forth. But it's been going down. Uh, 315,000, that's, um, that's the number of children who die every year from poor sanitation. And one of the biggest challenges, these numbers have all been going down, and that last number, 142 million, that's how many children they're saying are going to go back into extreme poverty by the end of this year uh, from COVID, from lockdowns, from all of the things that are associated with poverty. 142 million, and you can see, you add that on top of 385 million, it's been going down, 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 and there's this sharp... It's gone up sharply over the last uh, 12 months due to COVID and lockdowns. And children in poverty and families in poverty have huge, been hugely impacted by lockdowns, enormously impacted by lockdowns. Our lives are, are kind of like we've got our own troubles and our own challenges, and I'm sure we've got friends in other states who have had lockdowns and their businesses are impacted. But a family who's living in extreme poverty in a tight community where they earn their money by going out to work for that day and they can't work because there's a lockdown, there's starvation that happens. And Compassion's done something like 14 million food packages to children around the world and, and these type of things. But I want to let you know that children around the world and families in extreme poverty are being hugely impacted by COVID and the lockdowns. When we look at uh, what God's calling us to do, we look to the Word and, you know, it's interesting that when Jesus came out of the, the wilderness, we'd been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights and he steps into the synagogue and he begins opening up the book of Isaiah and he, he gets, stands up and he says, the, some of the first words he says in his ministry, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to uh, proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. The first sentence there is, he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. And you know that God has called us to the poor. He's called us to the oppressed. He's called us to those who are in prison and blind to show the love of Jesus. I don't know if you guys remember, I'm sure everybody does, a few years ago, the, the wedding of Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. And... Uh, Bishop Michael Curry got up and I think most people were surprised by the sermon because it was so out of, uh, so non-traditional, such a non-traditional message and I think everybody was kind of sitting there kind of like, oh wow, we were expecting to watch this amazing wedding and we heard this amazing orator, or this amazing preacher and I want to share some words that he said out of that message if you recall it and uh, it's about 400 words I'm going to share so just hang, hang on to your seats for a moment. He said, the late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, and I quote, we must discover the power of love, the redemptive power of love. And when we do that, we will make the old world a new world, for love is the only way. He continues, there's power in love. Don't underestimate it. Don't over-sentimentalize it. There's power, power in love. There's power in love to help and heal when nothing else 
can. There's power in love to lift up and liberate when nothing else will. There's power in love to show us the way to live. Someone once said that Jesus began the most revolutionary movement in human history, a movement grounded in the unconditional love of God for the world and a movement mandating people to live that love and in doing so to change not only their lives but the very life of the world itself. He continues, I'm talking about power, real power, power to change the world. Michael Bishop says, imagine our homes and families where love is the way. Imagine neighbourhoods and communities where love is the way. Imagine governments and nations where love is the way. Imagine business and commerce where love is the way. Imagine this tired old world where love is the way. When love is the way, no child will go to bed hungry in this world ever again. When love is the way, we will let justice roll down like a mighty stream and righteousness like an ever-flowing brook. When love is the way, poverty will become history. When love is the way, the earth will be a sanctuary. When love is the way, we will lay down our swords and shields down by the riverside to study war no more. Because when love is the way, we actually treat each other well, like we are actually family. When love is the way, we know that God is the source of us all and we are brothers and sisters in, in, and children of God. He finishes off and says, Dr. King was right, we must discover love, the redemptive power of love, and when we do that, we'll make this old world a new world. I think we all agree there is something powerful about love in action, and I love that Michael Curry paints this picture of the world being transformed by love, as, and as we look at the Good Samaritan this morning, I want to ask this question, can love transform this broken world? Can love transform the people in your world? So let's look at the parable of the Good Samaritan this morning. On one occasion, the expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. He asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's written in the law, Jesus said. How do you read it? He answered, to love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength and your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus said, do this and you'll live. But he wanted to justify himself and he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbour? It's like the expert in the law, he's got out his list and he was wanting to tick off, is he being a good Jew? Is he doing all the right things? He, would have been, uh, he, he was an expert in the first five books of the Bible. He would have been familiar with what it says in Deuteronomy, that God calls us to leave something for the foreigner, something for the fatherless, something for the widow. He commands us not to keep everything for ourselves. He would have been familiar with all those things. But sometimes it's hard to live out what we know up here. And I think this was the trouble with the expert in the law, that he knew it up here, but he wasn't living it out in his life. And he wanted to justify himself so that he could live his life in this nice little box and know that he's doing all the right things. But who knows that when we love people, it gets messy. It's hard to define who your neighbour is. Have you ever struggled to live it out? Have you ever struggled out to love people? I know I do. Probably most days I struggle to love people. I know that I fail in, in, every day in not loving people the way I should. And I know that most of us would feel that way too. And so Jesus gives a good answer to who his neighbour is. There's no deba- debate from Jesus, but a story. And in reply, Jesus said, There's this man going from Jerusalem to Jericho, and when he's attacked by robbers, they strip him of his clothes, beat him, and walk, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw him, pass by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, pass by on the other side. This road to Jericho is a desolate road. It's a day's journey and it's dangerous. And Jesus puts these two images in front of us. He puts his mutilated 
body in front of us, that man that's been stripped of his clothes, that's been beaten, that's been bruised, that maybe has black eyes, that maybe has cuts and maybe has swollen ankles and swollen legs because of all of the wounds inflicted. And he puts his mutilated body in front of us and says, here is your neighbour. It's messy, it's unclean. And he puts this other repulsive image in front of us, the priest and the Levite. You see, the body on the side of the road was repulsive to look at, but the priest and the Levite were repulsive inside. And sometimes it's a reflection of us. And so this priest and this Levite were so selfish that they couldn't do anything. They passed by on the other side. They had their different reasons. They had the different reasons why they didn't do anything. And I think sometimes we're like that. We get busy with life. We get busy with everything that's happening that we just stop. We forget to stop and to love those around us. We forget to take notice. And it's interesting the character that Jesus throws into the story. He says, but a Samaritan, a Samaritan. Samaritans were uh, from the northern kingdom of Israel and they weren't loved by the Jews. There was this animosity uh, between them. The, uh, the Samaritans believed in the first five books of the Bible, but they didn't believe in the prophets and the, the other parts of the Bible. And so there's this kind of hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans. They don't like each other. And Jesus picks this uh, Samaritan despised and rejected by the Jews to be the hero of the story. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. The word pity means to, ha- in other, it means to, have, to suffer with, to have compassion on. And so the Samaritan stops and he suffers with this man. He has compassion on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any expense you may have. There's no limit to his mercy. There's no limit to how far he would go. There's this radical limitless love there's this radical limitless love and Jesus calls us to do the same to show this radical limitless love to those around us Jesus also calls us to do whatever it takes with the resources that we have do you realize the resources that you have you know often we're constrained by budgets and constrained by we only have a certain amount of finances and and, and, but it's all relative, you know. Um, do you know that uh, uh, this, that you are one of the richest people on the planet? That as Australians, all of us are, are the richest people on the planet. The fact that you're here today makes you rich by global standards. The, the fact that you drove here in a car today makes you rich by global standards. If you earn more than $37,000 a year, you're in the top 4% richest people on the planet. So Congratulations. You're one of the richest people on the planet. And so how far should we go? There's no limits to how far we should go. God calls us to radical generosity and to do whatever we can with the resources that we have. When you encounter a situation like this man who is nearly dead on the side of the road, is your first response giving your time, your energy and your resources? Or is it to keep on doing what you've got to do? Jesus says, which of the three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, 
go and do likewise. The response is simple, that God calls us just to go and do likewise. There should be no limit to our mercy. There should be no limit to how far we should go. And God calls us to the one person that is in front of us right now. Often young people think about changing the world and when they become believers and want to transform the whole world. But God often calls us to the simple things of just that person that's in front of us today and in this moment. It's interesting that Jesus didn't tell a story about five people. He didn't tell a story about three people. He told a story about one person, the one person in front of you right now. Let me share with you a story of Compassion's origins. In 1952, there was a man by the name of Everett Swanson. He travelled to South Korea during the Korean conflict. And uh, one day, uh, the, you know, the South Korea was war-torn. There was lots of orphans. And one day, he was walking down the street, and this little boy came up to him and snatched the jacket off his shoulder and ran off down the street. And Everett chased him down the street, and within a few moments, he ended up in the middle of this slum. And he saw his jacket sitting in the middle of a doorway and he walked over to his jacket and grabbed his jacket and underneath it was this little boy who was shivering and cold and Everett had compassion on him he went back to his base he brought back soup he brought back blankets to care for this child and these other orphans that were in this slum community a few days went by and Everett got up one morning and he was praying and walking down the street before the sun came up and off in the distance he could see this truck pulling up in this same community that he was in a few days before and this truck was, and these men in army uniforms hopped out of the truck and they're, they're patting around the ground and they're picking up these rags and throwing them into the back of the truck and walking around some more and uh, patting around rags and throwing them into the back of the truck. And Everett's like, what are they doing? And as he gets closer, he realises this terrible truth that these were children who were in these rags who died during the night due to the cold temperatures. And just like in this story of having compassion on this person, Everett as in, in the Good Samaritan having compassion, Everett, Everett had compassion on these children. And so a week or two went by and he hopped back on a plane and he went back to his home in Chicago. And as he hopped on that plane, he just felt God speaking to him, saying, what are you going to do, Everett? What are you going to do, Everett? And he just felt the Holy Spirit speaking to him about what is he going to do. And that was the origins of compassion. It started that year with a few children and grew to over 100,000 children in South Korea to, to 1992. And we left Korea in 1992 because there's there no more extreme poverty there anymore. And it went from a country that wasn't a Christian nation to being one-third one third of the nation was Christian. And compassion's part of that story. In fact, 350 of those children became pastors of churches in South Korea as well. And of course, now South Korea is a sponsoring nation and they sponsor hundreds of thousands of children around the world. And... And now we're obviously reaching two million children around the world. But it started with one man doing one thing with what was in front of him in that moment. And I think sometimes we forget that God just calls us to the simple things. The one person in front of us in this moment. What is one thing that you can do today to care for someone? What is one thing that you can do this week to show the love of Jesus to this broken world? What is that one thing that you can do tomorrow when you get up in the morning? Maybe it's just being aware of what's happening around you and being there, ready, ready to respond when people are in need. So God calls us to this radical generosity. He calls us to use the resources we have and he calls us to respond to people in moments, one person at a time. That's a picture of Everett Swanson. I probably should have had that up while I was sharing the story. Um, 
This is my son, Sam. And when he was 14, he's 20 now at university, but when he was 14, he sponsored his first child. Uh, got his first part-time job at Woolies and sponsored a child. And then uh, last year, he sponsored another child. He still works at Woolies, still works part-time, trying to study and sponsored his second child while he's still studying out of his own money. And uh, I just want to encourage you to, to use the resources that you have. If you're a, a teenager or you're studying, then why don't you, why don't you, if you've got a part-time job, why don't you give it a go? Why don't you just use the resources that you have? Maybe if you don't have finances to sponsor children, we have lots of uh, sponsors who don't write children to their, don't write letters to their children. Maybe you can sign up to be a letter writer to children. A few years ago, I went to Indonesia, and my daughter Carissa, she was, um, oh, she must have been about twelve or thirteen at the time, and she said to me, "Dad, can I sponsor a child?" And you can go visit the child and I'm like yeah sure have you got $48 a month and uh, she didn't have a job at the time so that was kind of a mean thing to say to my daughter and um, she said no but I'll tell you what I can do dad she's pretty feisty she said dad I can pray for the child I can write letters I can draw pictures and all you've got to do dad is spend the $48 a month to sponsor the child and so she had me cornered and she uh, sponsored that little girl in her hand named Jessica and I had the pleasure of meeting Jessica and her mum Puanti a few years ago and my daughter's developed this lovely relationship and she, my daughter actually writes to another uh, girl that we sponsor as well um, and uh, has developed this incredible relationship where they write to each other and encourage each other and it's been a wonderful thing just to watch. But, you know, Jessica's getting help with her education, she's getting help with uh, social and emotional development, she's getting help with medical needs and dental checkups and she's growing in her faith and, in fact, her whole family has come to follow Jesus as well. One of the things that people don't often realise is that um, every year we see more than 140,000 first-time decisions for Christ amongst the children. And we also see about four family members that come to Christ for every one child that comes to Christ. So it's not just the child you're impacting, but the whole family gets impacted indirectly. The child comes to the program, gets impacted, but indirectly the parents are dropping off their children, the workers go visit the children in their homes, and there's this flowing impact of seeing whole families come to Christ. I just want to, as I finish up, I want to show you a video of uh, some of the challenges that we're facing due to the pandemic. And this is an update from our country director in the Philippines. And it, this goes for a couple of minutes and he's just gonna share about the direct impact that COVID is having in the Philippines. Hi, I'm Noel Paviana, National Director of Compassion International's Ministry in the Philippines. Well, right now, all of the children are learning from home and that is because of COVID-19. Well, the pandemic has adversely affected everybody that's rich and poor alike, but none is worse hit than those living in the slums. Imagine yourself living in a cramped space around 200 to 250 square feet under humid conditions with six to seven members of your families. That's terrible. Many of these are day-wage laborers. Perhaps some of them are scavengers. And if you cannot get out of your house, and if you cannot work, there's no way that you can make a living. There's no way you can support your families. Now, what has happened in this pandemic is that out of desperation, these parents can be easily recruited for online sexual exploitation of children. We've done four webinars just to make sure that our church partners are informed of what's going on, just to make sure that they know what the signs are that a family or children are victimized by OSEC. Even though our sponsored children are staying at home, our church partner never failed. 
to provide necessities and support to our sponsored children. Our volunteers, our project staff, always make sure to visit our children and make sure that they are in good health and they're safe. We were ahead of the government in providing relief by more than a month in many places. The church was there, partnered with Compassion, distributing relief goods, making sure the children are safe. The church has made it a point to connect with the youth, to engage them, just to make sure they are able to air out their emotions, and most of all, that they are prayed for and reminded that in all of these things, we believe in the one who has promised he will never leave us nor forsake us. This is God's hand through you, inspiring the lives of our children. So thank you very much. It would be best if you could hear the words from your children. If I could only line them up in front of you, you would see tears welling down their eyes because it's almost unbelievable for them that somebody cares so much for them even amidst the pandemic. In behalf of the Philippine Ministry of Compassion International, we thank you. Well, in the video said the pandemic has adversely impacted everyone rich and poor alike but none is none is worse hit than those living in the slums and uh, i want to encourage you to be really thinking and praying about these children um you know it costs me a uh, dollar 60 a day to sponsor a child that's 48 dollars a month as a family we sponsor six children and uh, that costs me less than two cups of coffee a day to sponsor children to six children and then good news is I still get my cup of coffee a day. And uh, maybe you're already sponsoring one child, and I want to say a massive thank you to you. But maybe there's room in your family for another one, another one. So I want to encourage you and challenge you, if there is room in your family, to sponsor another child. Um, I've got a future. I've got a number of children uh, on the uh, on the desk on the table out there that are in the last two or three years of the program. So if you just want to help a child who's just right at the end, just finishing well, then maybe you can sponsor a child that's right at the end. Um, I've got a couple of children here. I've got this child here, and the actual name of this child is Baby, and uh, she has been waiting for 410 days, so over a year for someone to sponsor her, and she's from Bangladesh. Uh, she uh, lives with her mum and dad in a community of extreme poverty, and uh, she attends the project and loves playing with dolls. She's only, only really small. She's born in August uh, 2019, so just a baby, and her name's Baby. And I've got this other uh, boy here. His name's... Humbert, Humbert, and he's born in 2002, so he'd be about 19, I think. And um, he's from Togo, one of the poor, poorest countries in the world. Many places in Togo, the average income is about $10 a month. Um, and uh, this particular community where he's from, the average income is $40 per month. So it's very, very low income. And maybe you can make an impact on him. Uh, but uh, let me finish by um, praying. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for all the children that are sponsored, the 66 children that are sponsored. We thank you for today uh, on Curry Day, raising money for Compassion Children, Lord. And I, I pray that uh, today people will be inspired to write letters to their children. And Lord, I pray if there's room in people's family to sponsor another child, they will do that. 
And Lord, as we just think about the word this morning, the parable of the Good Samaritan, Lord, we pray that we would uh, use, uh, we would love people radically, Lord, that would be ready to love people, that we would love, love people who are broken or wherever they're at, Lord, with radical generosity that are in our world, that are in our week this week, Lord. And I pray that you would just remind us that it's just about that one person that's in front of us in this moment, today, tomorrow, that we can have an impact on. And I pray that uh, we would have opportunities this week to witness to people, would have opportunities this week to tell people about Jesus, and would have opportunities to pray with people who don't know Jesus this week. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Well, amen. Thanks so much, Peter. Thanks for... Thanks for coming and sharing those uh, amazing words and testimonies. Thank you so much. Well, please stand with us and sing as we close out the service and before we hit into some curries as well. <laughs>